wanted you to see that I decorated the pod room for Christmas. There's a lot of nutcrackers in here because I have a problem. And then Rudolph. And what's her name? Celine? No. What is her name? I almost said Rhonda, but that's not correct. There is a Rhonda the reindeer. And we had quite a few Rhonda the reindeers. Rudolph's. Like how this is how we're starting out. Rudolph's girlfriend's name. Clarice. Oh. I feel like I do know that actually. Yeah. I would never have come up with it. But. No, I don't. I like how mine was Celine. I like Celine a little bit better. Hello, Clarice. Merry Christmas. What do you say that way? Hi, I'm Olivia. And I'm Kelly, and this is a Court of Theories podcast, where we deep dive all things Akatar, Throne of Glass, and Crescent City. This podcast contains spoilers. Okay, so first, we have to finish what we started last week with, I don't know, it was something with mythology of... They started looking into the Tree of Life ordeal because we were talking about that. That is on the cross on the Gosforth cross. Is that what we ended with? Yes. Because on the Gosforth cross, there's like the Loki bound with his wife, the God Heimdir holding his horn, horn, the Mm -hmm. God Vidar tearing the jaws of Fenrir, and then Thor's failed attempt to catch Ormangander, the Midgard serpent. That's kind of what we were talking about because it is believed to be like a Viking reference to like parallel Norse mythology about Ragnarok, the death of Baldir. And it's got also got like Christian belief. So it's got stuff about like the apocalypse, the crucifixion of Christ, all of that kind of on there together. And it's just a little bit, a uh, little bit confusing. So anyways, there's another, how the base of the cross has a tree like design looking like bark. This is a possible parallel between YG DRASIL Yggdrasil. I don't know. I should have looked up the pronunciation, but I didn't also known as the tree of life. So this also has heavy mythologies. And of course, as I was speaking to my sister about this, she's like, oh, Tolkien definitely used some of that because blah, 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 blah. I'm not well <laughs> you were like not You were like not following Bilbo Baggins. I don't, I'm not I, on this incredible just, journey of the Lord of the Rings. I just bought the Hobbit. Yeah. I just bought the illustrated Lord of the Rings special version. Uh-huh. Um, Casey has that one. Those. I bought that for him. But it's on my list. It's on the list. And then her boyfriend was like, please read Dune. Please read Dune. So I bought a box set of Dune. And apparently she also said, so her boyfriend is Heath. Heath is obsessed with Dune. He's obsessed with Frank Herbert. Uh huh. Similarly to the way Madeline is obsessed with Tolkien. And then apparently a little t- fun tidbit of trivia. We've talked about like George R.R. R. Martin on this before. Apparently Frank Herbert felt that George R.R. R. Martin ripped him off massively for game of thrones and apparently hated him until his dying day there's that oh wow (laughs) have fun especially following that did they just drop the trailer for the second season of house of dragon oh i have no idea (laughs) there's something i saw something on instagram there are people on there that have been sharing okay anyways tree of life tree of life i have approximately 7,000 tabs open. Uh-huh. Same. So I'm trying to find <laughs> the right ones. Oh, this is not correct. Get out of there. I would also just like to preface with everyone that I have been dying sick for the last five days. So I sound terrible and I'm really sorry if I'm 
ruining your listening experience with my congestive voice, congestive heart failure. Like, as if this voice is any worse than our normal voices. Think of our normal voices. I feel like this is like relevant. I'm getting Botox, not where I want it, but I went to the dentist this week and she was like asking me about my jaw. She's like, so do you have TMJ? And I was like, yeah, I do. And she said, does that hurt? And I was like, yeah, pretty much all the time. (laughs) Do you get headaches? Yep. And she's like, starts feeling of my jaw and she's like, you could probably benefit from Botox in your jaw. And I was like, really? Did you whip that Sharpie out of her pocket and you were like Xing on your face? Like you're like... (laughs) Yeah, so she said that my muscles essentially are like, so I was telling her like, I feel like I don't chew very well. I don't eat certain foods that have to chew a long time because it hurts my jaw like a motherfucker. As we I, eat high chews almost every yeah, episode. Yeah, and it kills me, well, but, but I do delicious. it anyways. <laughs> but I think I mumble because I don't want to open my mouth too wide because my jaw pops every time I do. Weird. Oh, fuck. That picked it up. <laughs> That's my, if I open my mouth all the oh way. Oh my fucking God. Yeah. I didn't know it was that bad. So she's like, how long has that been going on? And I'm like, like, your whole life? At least 15 years. Yeah. So anyways, in a couple weeks I'm getting Botox. So we'll see. Oh, Maybe fuck. my jaw won't pop for the first time I'm in my excited. life. I'm excited. I cannot believe that audibly picked it up. And it's like, it pops when I open. It pops as it closes. I feel like a You know what I was about to, I was about to ask you of, like the Viper oh, there's Queen. There's a Slytherin joke. Oh. No, I was going to ask you a question about how Jameson felt about that, but I'll cut that out. About what? About your jaw popping every time that you uh, have to open wide. He says it doesn't bother him. <laughs> best. <laughs> Does this freak you out? Nah. Nah. It uh, outweighs. Or to it doesn't be honest, like, I reward. feel like once you just hit a phase mm-hmm. in your relationship. So many things don't bother you. nothing matters. No. Because it was just like two weeks ago. I'm like lifting a leg above us. I'm like, does this look weird? <laughs> Listen, the first time that you ever have to check your significant other for ticks. <laughs> I'm telling you what, the song, that country song that one time that tried to like romanticize it. Not cute. No, listen, it's not cute. Especially whenever you have to like get all up in there. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about the tree of life again. Oh, yeah. All right. So the Tree of Life. It's at it's, Disney in Animal Kingdom. It's at Disney. What's weird is that... The Bugs Life show is underneath it. You know what? We did that this past year. I guess it was last... Do they May the 2022. Glasses? They're taking that out, though, actually. <gasps> the Bugs Life thing? Yeah. Were they like, oh, man, I loved that. I'd never done it in my life. Oh, I never went to Disney until I was an adult. But we went 2022. Yeah. My mom, and we took my mom and Jameson and Warren. And the end... When it feels like a bug is yes. climbing. I screamed. I was not anticipating that whatsoever. So there's like that part where it feels like the wasps like sting you in your back. So I didn't feel that. Well, I don't know if I wasn't leaning against it. I think I was so tense whenever it happened because I was like so fucking freaked out whenever the wasps come down. I, My dad said he felt it, but I never felt it. But them going under you yeah, no, when you're like about that. to leave, I screamed audibly. I, mm-hmm. We still have some of the 3D glasses because my dad did not like he it was one of those where my mom and my dad put them on top of their heads as they were walking out <laughs> just walked out with and them. just walked out with them and it wasn't until like 20 minutes later my dad was like oh whoops shit like it was not an intentional snatch and grab but they're pretty cool we still have them anyways the tree of life anyways the the myth- mythological tree of life well, what's interesting is that 
there's a tree of life in almost like every culture. Of course. Ancient Mesopotamia. Urufu. Oh, like no. ancient Iran. There's a tree of life. Chinese mythology. There's a tree of life. Christianity. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Nag Hamindi Gnosticism. Manichaeism. Europe. No, why? Just, why? Just, <laughs> just a general just Europe. Europe. Greek mythology. Germanic paganism and North mythology. Islam. Jewish sources. It's just weird that there's one literally everywhere. Right. But anyways, what we're going to be talking about is the one in Norse mythology. And... I started this for a real long time um, because I feel like the different worlds and the massiverse have to be like influenced by it in some, what am I trying to say? Like in some aspect, in some realm, but the North Norse myth. I'm going to pronounce how to say it. But how do you say what you're looking for today? We are looking at how to pronounce these names as well as how to say more interesting but often confusing names from Norse mythology. So make sure to stay tuned to the channel. So how do you pronounce it? Well, in most Norse languages, this is said as Yggdrasil. Yggdrasil. Now in some regions and accents or languages, variants, it is sometimes said also as Yggdrasil, Yggdrasil. In English, generally, it is said as Yggdrasil or Yggdrasil. Okay. I love this guy. Thanks, thanks, Julian. This is Julian Mikkel. Yggdrasil. Okay. Yggdrasil. Oh. Yggdrasil. And then here's another one that is relevant. We are looking at how to pronounce the name of the Midgard serpent in Norse mythology. We are looking at how to pronounce Jormangandr. 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 But in English it is sometimes pronounced Jormangandr. Jormangandr. Oh, so we dropped the J sound, huh? Jormangandr. God, I'm so fucking American. I can't. Anyways, sorry, just wanted to clip those in so that way for anyone like that we might have culturally been offending trying to pronounce these. There we go. Anyways, tell me about the Yggdrasil. Yg- Yggdrasil. What did I say? What did he say? Julian? This girl, I was just like searching it, the name of it, and one of the first things that came up was a video literally on TikTok. Her name's Rosie. Would you like to know her username? I would love to know her username. A Court of Thorns and Rosie. <gasps> How cute is How that? How fucking cute. She's so cute. There's a cute little community on here. Because she posts quite a few things on here. And there's a girl. Her username is a happy hermit. She posts a lot of stuff on here. So this is the back of House of Flame and Shadow and I do not think that it is the prison or the hewn city or Ramiel or any other stone cave thing. I think this is a tree. I want you to pay special attention to this little hollow at the bottom. It's a tree hollow. I recognized it because I spent my childhood growing up playing in things like this. This is my photo. This isn't from Google. This is around the corner from my house. This is just a random pic but 
you get the idea. It's a little tree hotto. As a fantasy reading adult, I'm realizing these are very obviously fey traps, but I digress. Luckily, I have a friend who's very clued up on Nordic myth who's been screaming at me for months about the tree that I can't say, the Nordic tree of life with all the worlds, but it also features words like Midgard and Vanir and Hell. So it's a tree. She's saying that the picture on the back of Flame and Shadow looks like the hollow of a tree. Right. Which is interesting. I don't know that I've even looked at the back of it. Were we offered an, a glimpse at the back of it? Where are they getting that? I don't know. Is it? Surely it wouldn't be like on like barns or anything. Wasn't it Walmart that had the picture? The best pictures. I remember, remember people saying that. They're like, look at the version of Walmart. That's the only good thing that Walmart has besides the Pioneer Woman. What? I didn't say no. <laughs> okay, yeah, there is a picture. There's a picture of the spine on here. Damn. What? Oh, shut up. Okay, Walmart. We see you. This does look like a tree. I'm with you, girlfriend. Okay, cool. Okay. No, it does. Oh, wow. With that eight-pointed star in the middle. Yeah, there she, there she blows. And with embers down there. This would be interesting if this kind of represents like the portal, uh-huh. essentially. But also, when I was looking at this, I was thinking of Nesta and how in the prison, the wall that she walked through was made of concrete, but also had the eight-pointed star in the floor. Was it in the library? No, in the prison. Oh, in the prison. she got the heart. Yeah, I think it was on the floor. But anyways. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she walked over an eight-pointed star. I keep my Akasif right there in your reach. Yeah. But anyways, let me find the really good picture. Like I said, I have 5,000. I know I saved it on my Pinterest board. I know you're like, you always use Pinterest. I really don't use it that much, but I use it when I'm here. The podcast is your influence for Pinterest. Basically, I do have a board for the podcast. I love that. That's really cute. We should share it. It's secret. Oh. I can make one Just for. Kidding. I was gonna say I can make one for the podcast that we can share, but you the one said I, it's secret. well, it's because it's stuff that we haven't talked about yet necessarily. Well, I don't want to like. We don't want to give it away. Yeah, this is where I save stuff that I understand. That's what I, I do with all like our Google Drive stuff. Sometimes I even hide stuff from you on there because I want it to be a surprise. But nine times out of ten, I've already lied. This is literally all just fan art, except the thing about the tree. Oh, and is that why? It's secret because there's some saucy there stuff on there. There's some like just cute ones of Rune and Bryce when she's a kid. But then there's dick pics. She's like, I'll show you my ballet, but first you have to have a bun. All ballerinas have one. And she puts his hair in a bun and then they're doing poses. I mean. And then he just had to go and call her a slut. So. What a dick. That's great. Anyways, here is a very cool picture of the Norse mythological tree of life. I will send this to you. Oh my God. I love that we're in this chat mode now. It makes me feel like we're like up and coming. Uh, so here you go. So we can both look at this together. Whoa. This, this is, is fun. This is really cool. Okay. There's lots of kind of like depictions of this, huh? but this one is real fun for a few reasons. One, there are a white stag on the top. of There's it. a white stag. There's a bunch of them. Also, is that, are these Pegasus or? It looks to be some sort of flying horse. They do not have wings, but they do seem to be flying. Yep. They up in Um, the air. And that in the middle is supposed to be an eagle, but 
It's Rowan. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> but each of these... This will be in the show notes, by the way. Each of these is a world. So you'll see that the one in the middle is called Midgard. Okay? I see that. And then each of these kind of branch off. So we've got Asgard at the top. You've got Alfheim to the top left. Vanheim to the top right. Jont... Jotunheim, Jotunheim, probably not a J because we've already established that. Mm-hmm. Um, Muspelheim to the left, and then kind of down some Svartalfheim. <laughs> and You're the doing bottom, great. You're doing great. The bottom is called Nilfheim or Hell. Hell with only one L. With only one L. <laughs> so what I find interesting, okay, is. Well, besides me, besides you, (laughs) we have talked about how Bryce is pulled sideways, where Aelin fell down to Uh the world. Bryce was pulled sideways. (gasps) What is to the right? And what does that look like? So if Midgard is in the middle, could it be that Prithian is one of these others to the side? I don't know. What? Because this one, again, this will be in the show notes. There's one to the right. That's the uh, Hottenheim. Jottenheim. I don't know. I don't know. That. It's actually a real mountain range in Norway. Is. Yeah. Is a snowy capped mountain range. Dwelling place of the Jotuns. Giants. The name meaning giant land. That's cool. Yeah. This, This is actually really cool. Also. Can we just fucking talk about Norse mythology for smart people? Yes, please. Oh, for smart people? That's what it's called. Not for dummies? I feel like it should be for dummies. Like those books that you could buy for like Microsoft 98. God, this illustration is so cool. Number one, all the fucking snakes in it. Mm -hmm. All the fucking snakes. Specifically, obviously, the one that surrounds Midgard. Not that we didn't have a whole episode about the snake and biting its tail. And this says that this thing portrays nine worlds. The one that we're looking at. Yeah. This tree of life model. Do we know? I know that Meryl says like 26. I think that she's done enough for 11. 11 worlds. I think it's 11 worlds. But there could be as many as 26. I don't know why 11 is just ringing out. This is interesting. We've talked about, um, on the last episode, <laughs> last week, we talked about Jay and like how he could potentially be putting pieces of himself in lots of places. Yes. In, in forms that aren't, I don't want to say that aren't physical, but that aren't his true physical self. Right, right, right. And I think we might have insinuated that maybe Bryaxis was one of those things mm-hmm. too. I just flipped open to 171 in Silver Flames and Nesta is like asking her about the darkness essentially, or she's asking her about her invoking stone. And then Gwen says, they say the being that dwelled down there is gone, but I believe some piece of it might have lingered or at the very least altered the darkness itself. And Nesta says, it doesn't feel like that. It felt older. And Gwen said, are you adept to some things? There was no condensation in the word. Condescension. Condensation is what makes rain. <laughs> you 
evaporation. <laughs> Norse mythology for smart people. Oh, Jesus Christ. The water cycle boogie. You remember that middle school science? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, sorry. Not con... What'd you say? I said condensation, oh. but it's really condescension. Oh, I was about to say, what'd I'm you say about smart. conversation? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Akasif for dummies. Christ. Anyway, she wasn't being a bitch. She was just genuinely yeah. curious. Right. And Nesta's, don't you know who I am? And then they leave it, which makes it even more interesting. Oh, they're just like, and now we're done. Yeah. Great. Braxis is gone. Gwen thinks he's either still down there or has altered the darkness itself. So Nesta's doesn't feel like that. It felt older. So you know what? I still think it could be Koshe. Which like. Who could still be Apollyon? Who could be. I don't know. I don't know what else. What else is he? Hey, I need you to calm down. God, that's hot. Because Gwen, literally on page 170, seventh level of the library was unnerving, standing at the stone railing on level six. Yeah, because level seven, wasn't that down where Bryaxis, or was level seven right above where Bryaxis was? Because I'm just trying to remember how it was described or how the levels went. It was calling to her. Her name drifted to her as if rising from the depths of some black ocean. It slid along her bones, her blood, just like Madeline said. Mm-hmm. So we're talking this week. We haven't said this on the pod. My sister, for whatever reason, knows everything. It's so, so annoying. Smart. She's an kidding. OG fantasy girl. It's not annoying. She's just great. And I love speaking to her about this because now she's reading Actar for the first time. And she sobbed during with Act of War. <laughs> she's in oh, the picture and she's like, it. I do not forgive you yet. But we were kind of discussing like, Striga, the bone carver, and Koshe. Mm-hmm. And so my sister on her own yeah. says, Striga is flesh. The bone carver is bone. What is Koshe? Like blood or something? And then my sister later on sends me a passage talking about the curse on Vasa. Helian can't find the source of the curse on Vasa as if it was in her blood. Mm-hmm. And then here I just read, Nesta is down by the center of the library where Braxis was. And she says her name is float drifted to her as if rising from the depths of some black ocean. Nesta. It slid along her bones, her blood. There we go. There's more talk about so blood. Not, yeah. Not insinuating Koshe is infiltrating in any way whatsoever. Also, just to let everyone know, Olivia's sister has not listened to a no. minute of this podcast other than the little, probably the little blurbs that we have up on socials. She is not. Which I, I, any of that. I was going to say, if there's any spoilers, I put like a three second heads up before the spoilers start um, on our reels. Just because if you're here and listening to the podcast, we give you a heads up before this episode starts. Yep. So then once you're here, it's all free game. But, but um, on our social, we try not to be spoilery. Right. Because we get it. There is a number of people that... so are still trying to decide if they should read Crescent City or not. Anyways. Every day with this shit. It makes me laugh so much. So Gwen tells her, like, we should go higher. And Gwen's, what level is your cart on? Nessus is four. Gwen grabs her arm. No, she pinches her. She began to twist her head over her shoulder, but Gwen pinched her. Don't look behind. Is it following? No, but... Gwen's swallow was audible. I can feel something like a cat, small and clever and curious. It's watching. So that's Adis. That's 100% Adis. And do it whenever I was doing like the reread and stuff, because I 
whenever I got to that, I was like, holy shit, no wonder it's so important to do this Silver Flames, read Earth and Blood, and then like even go back and read Silver Flames again. Or like the now that the order is read Earth and Blood before you read Akasif and then go back and reread Earth and Blood yeah. again. Like just that moment where it's Adis is fucking checking in because you know that Nesta's connection and even honestly Gwen's connection I think Gwen has a much deeper involvement with a lot of this with her relationship with Nesta that we are going to really see unfolding, especially if she is a light singer. I also think that the way Vasa talks about Koshche saying that like they, the human Queens didn't sell her over by their, like for their own good Koshche manipulated them into doing so. So anyways, it doesn't really seem like Koshche can take what he wants. He has to get other people to do it. Um, which is interesting because he can potentially manipulate. And we talked about um, how Meryl was descended from someone from the West Lord Wrath. Yeah, it was some Lord of the West, West. Which was interesting. And then we also talked about like, why is Meryl letting Gwen write her chapter on the Valkyries when she's been so wretched to her in the past? And it seems like... It's a good way. So if Meryl is being either manipulated because, <laughs> sorry to keep like backing up, but Meryl meets Nesta, like she's pissed off because she feels like Nesta has lied to her. She's right. trying to slip that book in to save Gwen, whatever. And she's like, do you think I'm stupid? Basically. And she's like, I'm no lackey. I'm so-and-so of the West. Anyways, whenever Nesta goes to that service and Meryl sees her, it's like Nesta makes note that Meryl has like such visceral hate in her eyes whenever she sees her. And it like makes no sense. Like to be pissed off and like about one roll, book. Right. Like you might roll your eyes like whatever. This is this bitch is here. Like something like that. But right. to have like hatred, it just doesn't really match. I don't know. I like, don't know. Like what the those... grudge doesn't match the crime basically. Right. And then also those priestesses that are in Valaris like that. Our priestesses that have been rescued, have been saved. That yeah. is there as a refuge. That and is her there. her hair is white as snow, similar to the other birds, the other women that are in Koshche's lake. Is it not? Doesn't Elaine say something about the white as snow birds? Yeah, which is insinuating Vasa is fire and then that whole like um, Swan Lake. Right. But or, um, I feel like Elaine says like the others are white as snow and then that is exactly how Meryl's hair is described as white as snow. So another interesting little factoid. And it also is just one of those that because these are priestesses again that have been like rescued and brought in like how in like a moment of weakness and not saying the priestesses are weak. Clearly not. I'm just saying that there everyone has a moment of weakness. What happened leading up to her ending up in Valaris that prompted a moment of weakness that maybe Koshe could have grabbed a hold so then it's not necessarily in the same way as like whenever Dorian had the the collar around his neck and then they have just like fully taken over. Like maybe it's somehow 
a switch or if Koshe is that whispering wind in Meryl's ear. The wind whispers to me even here under so much stone, Meryl said. It finds its way in through the cracks and murmurs of going ons of the world in my ear. Do you think you are entitled to do as you please now? That's um, 315. And it makes you think if that is how we talked Rabbit. about last episode, that is Koshe, then what's he whispering to her? That is the High Lord's sister-in-law. Don't let her... She thinks she's all of this and she's not. Maybe as like a way to try and like break Nesta down and weaken her or like even just like emotionally try and break her down as a way to weaken. Because clearly there's something up with Meryl, but like it doesn't always show. She does have those moments, especially with like Wynn, where, you know, letting her write the Valkyries. Like, like I feel like that's the true Meryl. But is it or is it... Coach Jay's way of getting more information of the inner goings of what they have going on. Well, Again, yeah. he needs Nesta. Like yeah. the more he can learn about Nesta and what the hell they're doing or whatever. Right. Because even though a lot of her like power and stuff that she had, she still has power. She's still, and we've talked about, she is definitely something other and definitely something in her blood in all the Archer and sisters bloodlines, mm-hmm. but whatever Nesta was being basically trained by their mother to do and who to be is oh, because shit. you know what i just thought sorry what <laughs> talking about the back of flame and shadow looking like a tree the underworld which would be hell is the trunk of the tree amongst its roots hang on the vertical axis is represented by the world tree i already forgot how to say it yggdrasil which holds asgard in its upper branches midgard at the base of its trunk and the underworld amongst its roots so if the back of flame and shadow looks amongst it looks like it would be the hollow of a tree that's near the roots, like what is that saying? Is that saying hell? Is that saying which I don't know. I'm so confused because the way that you can overlay these maps, I almost feel like everything is the fucking same place. Right. That's what I was about to say. Or maybe what we talk about as hell is that Prithian. But also Bryce thinks she's going to hell. So it's and she's been too. in communication with Adis. Yeah. Apollyon has been in communication right. with them. So it could be a signal to either of those things. But that's really interesting that the underworld is like the base of the tree. And that's it looks to be on the back of Slime and Shadow. So I got my first because I ordered a lot of stuff from Inky Nerd. But because I ordered pre-Black Friday on their Throne of Glass foil, um, those came in even though the Black Friday ones they said could take up to two weeks. So I haven't gotten that order, but I got my first one in. So then I was like, oh, I'm going to just see how it fits on the Throne of Glass. Y'all, the way that even Sarah did shit in the Throne of Glass. Elevator music. Okay, this is on... The out-of-print version covers. Okay, so on the front, we see... A throne of glass. A throne of glass. Throne of grass. We see Selena. okay? Obviously, very assassin We have our weapons. She's walking. Then I flipped it over. She's in a dress on the back of this. It's very subtle. And yes, you still see the weapons, but it looks like she's in a dress. Tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm just crazy. No, it does. Like that Easter She's in a dress with like sleeves, like it's almost like, almost like insinuating that who of, of who she would end up being. And it's Aelin. Like, it's 
she's she's surrounded by flames. Yes. There's flames coming off of these so like swords and the bottom of her dress looks like flames. Yes. I like I and just it was so weird me noticing it. It was just kind of one of those where I'm like I haven't really pulled because I I never read with the dust covers on anyways. Pretty much as soon as I pull it out, I'm going to take the dust cover off, pop it back on the shelf and then read the same thing. Dust I don't want to get it torn up. No, I don't want to tear it up. And it already gets enough dings and bings. However, this has just been sitting here. Sarah has been literally plotting Easter eggs since the moment, since her very first book. Yeah. She was giving, and like, I know that's not the original cover, like, like that's the Barbie cover. But. Who's crying? Milo. Sorry, guys. But like she basically was showing us that. And I know that people I'm sure that it was one of those that she could play it off like, well, now that Selena is in the castle and all of this. But it's still just that being surrounded by fire. Be, no one knew that she was Aelin after, in that first one. After Flame and Shadow comes out, I've got to reread the Th- Throne of Glass series. Because- I know. Listen, props to you of anyone who is lit there is someone on instagram that i saw that is going to do an entire series reread of throne of glass followed by akatar followed by crescent city all before flame and shadow starting december 1st and i'm like i you know what i guess if you're doing all audiobook cool but i i want i don't know i want to sit down and just to read throne of glass hold it in my hands and read it also because what your face <laughs> I just flipped over to one of the page 400 in the hardback throne of glass and Selena and Elena are talking and Elena says, and when you're ready, when you start to hear them crying out as well, then you will know why I came to you and wait, hang on. Selena's like saying she did this for her freedom, became the King's champion for her freedom. And then Elena's, so you say, but when you called for help, when the amulet snapped and you felt your need be felt, you knew someone would answer. You knew I would answer. Why? Selena dared ask, why answer? Why do I need to be the king's champion? Elena, because there are people who need you to save them as much as you yourself need to be saved. Deny it all you want, but you, but there are people, your friends who need you here. Your friend Nehemia needs you here because I was sleeping a long, endless sleep and I was awoken by a voice. And the voice didn't belong to one person, but to many. Some whispering, some screaming, some not even aware that they were crying out. But they all wanted the same thing. She touched the center of Selena's forehead. Heat flared and a blue light flashed across Elena's face as Selena's mark burned and then faded. And when you're ready, when you start to hear them crying out as well, then you will know why I came to you and why I have stood by. I have chills. Why you and you will continue to watch over you no matter how many times you shove me away. Selena's eyes stung. And she took a step back toward the hall. Elena smiled sadly. Until the day comes, you're exactly where you need to be. From the king's side, you'll be able to see what needs to be done. But for now, enjoy the accomplishment. Selena felt ill at the thought of what else might be asked of her. But she nodded. Fine, she breathed, making to leave. But paused in the hall. She looked over her shoulder to where the queen still stood, watching her with those sad eyes. Thank you for saving my life. Elena bowed her head. Blood ties can't be broken, she whispered and then vanished, her words echoing to the silent tomb. I'm going to read that one part again. Yeah, no. And when you are ready, when you start to hear them crying out as well, then you will know why I came to you and why I have stood by you and will continue to watch over you no matter how many times you shove me away. Tell me that is not some motherfucking foreshadowing to literally whatever is going to happen with Crescent City. 
as you were reading that, I don't know if you just kind of watched where I was literally shoveling a carrot into my mouth, but I was just like, the camera, damn it, cameras would have been great because I just was like leaning back. I can feel chills over my whole body because she's saying, she's I've been asleep for whenever, but whenever you guys started crying out to me, I came. When you are ready, when you start to hear them crying out as well, meaning at some point, Selena is going to be asleep and her blood ties can't be broken. Selena's own blood will call out and need her help as well. And she will answer. If Lydia fucking cries out for Aelin, then who's going to fucking come? Aelin and Rowan. Then you will know why (gasps) I came to you and why I have stood by you and will continue to watch over you no matter how many times you shove me away. Until that day comes, she says. And then she ends it. Blood ties can't be broken. Interesting. It's I like how we that's literally where we ended up for me being like, look, she's already doing Easter eggs like back yeah, in Throne of Glass yeah. days. I, mean, I love like, that I just like, flipped to that. But yes. we're, we've gotten so far away from what we were trying to say. But really, we, we haven't because it's that <laughs> it, it goes with how being thrown like across or down or over like these all these worlds the way that they lay on top of each other again time is only a construct it's fucking everything's made up nothing is real we don't know how they lay on top of each other but you can't tell me that she as whenever she's been plotting all of this massive crossover get it massive anyways mm-hmm. uh that was your intelligent humor you're welcome but uh, <laughs> this massive crossover you can't tell me that she did not go back and did not look at some of this of the world that she built in Throne of Glass and was literally like, okay, here's how it's all going to down the lines. Here's how. So because, is this Selena or is this Elena on the back of this? I think that's, I think that is Selena being shown because I mean, you're probably right, but I just, it's very like ominous on the back that if, unless you're really looking at it, you're not going to notice that like, she's in a dress. She, it just is more of an outline, but How's Elena dressed? I mean, I'm sure she's wearing a dress, and but she's definitely not have, having assassin blades in her hands and shit. How do you know? I don't, but she sounds a little more proper to... Why do I have a feeling that Elena's wearing a blue dress? I don't know why. So that feels vaguely familiar to me, too, but again, I need to reread all of these. Because I think I was getting, like, major, like, Ro- Rowena, like, Ravenclaw vibes, which I know you don't know. Full, but she wears blue. Got it. Selena is fighting the cane and the demons or whatever because she he poisoned her and she's seeing like all these demons and the last final fight to become the king's champion. Mm, and okay. she says she will soon die. Light and darkness, life and death. What? Where do I fit in? And then she's trying to find a way to survive. A demon came at her and a scream, not of terror or despair, but rather a plea, a burst from her throat, a call for help. Then the demon falls back. And then this says, and then something extraordinary happened. Doors, doors, all burst open. Doors of wood, doors of iron, doors of air and magic. And from another world, Elena swept down, cloaked in golden light. The ancient queen's hair glittered like a shooting star as she plummeted into Aurelia. So then... Shut up. So then Cain starts laughing. He raises a sword aimed at Selena's chest. Elena exploded through the ranks of the dead, scattering them. Cain's sword came down. A gust of wind slammed into Cain so hard he was sent scrambling. But locked into that dark, horrible world, 
Selena only saw the ancient queen barrel into Cain, knocking him down before the dead charged. Yet they were too late. Golden light erupted around her, shielding her from them, making the dead step back. Then she had like wind. It's all whipping around them. And it says the demons bellowed and surged again, but a sword rang and a demon fell. Black blood dripped from the blade and the lips of Queen Elena were set in a feral snarl as she lifted her sword. It was a challenge, a dare to them to try to pass to tempt her rage. Through fading eyes, Selena saw a crown of stars glittering atop Elena's head, her silver armor shining like a beacon into the blackness. The demon shrieked and Elena stretched out a hand, golden light bursting from her palm, forming a wall between them and the dead as she rushed to Selena's side and cupped her face in her hands. I can't, this is, the, I cannot protect you, whispered the queen, her skin glowing. Her face was different too, sharper, more beautiful, her fey heritage. I cannot give you my strength. She traced her fingers across Selena's brow, but I can remove the poison from your body. Just interesting that she's like glowing. Yeah. Also, the fact that she, all these fucking doors op- mm-hmm. showed up, all these different types of doors, she fell through. Mm-hmm. Liv, the same language that's being used in Akatar and Crescent City. Mm-hmm. And this woman's not a genius. Listen to this, though. Kane was like vogue possessed, right? I think so. Yeah. And they've given selena some kind of poison so that she's seeing all these demons and she's basically being beat by things that she nobody else can see right 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 right. this is weird petty tricks your majesty kane said to elena just petty tricks elena was on her feet in an instant blocking kane's path to selena shadows rippled along the edges of his form and his ember-like eyes flared live you were all brought here all of you were all the players in an unfinished game my friends, he gestured to the dead, have told me. Cain howled as it bit into him. Oh, Elena throws light, blue light at him. Blue light, not unlike the blue flame from the Godzilla thing on Sarah's well, also, flame and shadow. Whenever, when you read earlier, when Elena touched Selena's forehead, it's blue. It was blue. So Cain howled as it bit into him, the light slashing his shadow body into ribbons. His shadow body. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You said his shadow body. His shadow body. Might not have actually been there. He might not. Like Coach J. There's just too many. Like I understand. I mean, obviously. Either. Okay. So either she went into this like having a pretty decently large plan for all of this and then planned the rest of it around. Okay. I want these things to go here. But either way. How, how, I was going to say, however it happened, if she started Throne of Glass, not also seeing Akatar and Crescent City at the same time, but like in the future was like, okay, I'm going to do these other things and then wrap it into this. It still took planning and meticulous attention to detail yes. to make all of these pieces fit. And my favorite part is that she's done so in a way that you have to dig for it. Like it's yes. not blatantly obvious. That's why we never got the world of Throne of Glass book. Yeah. You know that's why she gate is gatekeeping that because once she started Akatar because obviously Akatar overlapped with towards the end of Throne of Glass. You know that had to have whenever Akatar took off and was re- that was a way for her to be like okay 
Because Avatar was originally just a trilogy planned, right? Yes. So it was originally just a trilogy planned. However, we've found that they talk about worlds and swirls. They talk about all these yeah. things. I mean, she talked about that in book one. Right. So it's she was setting she, herself up that yeah. if it was going to be something successful, then she could make it bigger, faster, stronger than what it was originally going to be. I agree. And so just the fact that, yes, that's Throne of Glass. Yes. So, but you think about it. We, and we've talked about Throne of Glass, like, being the past, Akatar being the present, Crescent City being the future. So, yeah, Throne of Glass was her first book, all of that back there. But whenever she could continuously look back at the solid fucking foundation that she set, whenever she wrote Throne of Glass, there's a reason that it is one of those series that you can keep going back to and being like, like today, we're like, holy shit, this stuff that we're reading is stuff that is so pertinent and like foreshadowing for what we're gearing up for in Crescent City. Like the way that you're like to loop it back around to your tree of life, the different levels within your tree of life is no different than the way that the worlds lay on top of each other. And this is just one tree of life that we're pulling from where there's ones in almost every single religion or every single mythology, they have a tree of life. So how is it that maybe we're not, that we're seeing like different trees and like those different worlds, how they're being built on top of each other to fall through, to go over to. As a physical book lover, we've all found ourselves in major need of a bookmark when we've been rudely interrupted while reading. Interruptions like your job, your needy pets and family, or your spouse wanting to tell you all about a random thing that they've been doing, all while you're at a really good part. Don't they see that we're reading? And in those moments, we've all found ourselves having to grab for a receipt, a post-it note, a scrap of paper, or the absolute worst, dog-earing your page. Well, in those moments, Case Leatherworks has you covered. Their dog ear bookmark fits perfectly over the corner of your page, so you never lose your place. Their products are made with top grain American leather in a variety of colors, and you have the option to customize your bookmark with your initials. Along with their bookmarks, they offer a variety of home good products that's perfect for any reading nook. Support small business by visiting caseleatherworks.com, and our listeners will receive 10% off your first order by using code THEORIES at checkout. That's offer code theories at caseleatherworks.com. So I know that we've talked about the Valkyries and like the connection with the Valkyries and mythology. And I know that we have talked about how in Norse mythology, the Valkyries like lead people into Valhalla. Yes. Here's something kind of cool from Norse mythology.org. It's talking about the lands of the dead. So I got here from reading about the tree of life in the Mm -hmm. Norse mythology. And I went to this thing about death and the afterlife. So it says spiritual parts of the dead were usually thought to end up in a spiritual other world of some sort or another with some exceptions that we'll explore below. The most famous of these dwellings places of the dead is undoubtedly Valhalla, um, which translates to the hall of the fallen, the resplendent hall of the God Odin. Those chosen by Odin and his Valkyries live there as celebrated heroes until they're called upon to fight by Odin's side in the doomed battle at Ragnarok, the downfall of the gods and the rest of the universe. Did we know that? Did we know? We knew that the Valkyries like bring people to Valhalla, like war heroes. Right. Did we know that they're waiting to fight in Ragnarok? I, I feel like no, I, I, because I, this feels like new information to me. <laughs> right. I was trying For, to, to me, this no, is no, new no. information to me. And I was trying to think back, like, 
whenever I was really talking about like whenever he does battle the snake, whenever the snake like stops like biting as far as like mythology goes, I don't think, I mean, we mentioned the Valkyrie and again, they're bringing the war heroes home and I don't think that we talked about that. I don't feel like that was talked about at all. So this, it just feels like new information to me. It is definitely to me. One second. I want to get the, I'm just going to fucking buy the ebook of Silver Flames. I just keep looking at the back of this on walmart.com. The Walmart. Because that's just this saying this about the Valkyries just brought me, brought it up because obviously something is happening, but I would like to, cause see, here's the problem. Here's what I truly think. CC three is not going to wrap this up. Absolutely not. And so I think that there's going to be a ton of the fandom and I'm just going to just say that, just say this on here. I feel like there's going to be a ton of fandom that's going to be pissed that things are not going to wrap up nice and clean at the end of CC three. I still think that there's going to be a ton of stuff that still needs to be she tied was up. signed for seven books after the announcement of Flame and right. Shadow. There, it's, it's not going to be wrapped up. Right. I know. And then obviously we have our next Akatar after that. I just feel like that there's so many. Yeah, we'll see the ending to Bryce and Hunt's story. However, that pans itself out. We'll find out here soon. But I think that there's going to be a lot of fandom that's going to talk shit that there's still going to be so many loose ends that are not even going to get fucking tied up in the next Akatar. It's just all just going to be out in the open. And I just would like to go ahead and just say, like, be patient. If we're literally talking about a universal crossover, the amount of things that can happen across two worlds is more than just one book. So what is it that you're looking for? I want to know. Those chosen by Odin and his Valkyries live there as celebrated heroes until they're called upon to fight by Odin's side in the doomed battle of Ragnarok. The downfall of the gods and the rest of the universe. What is interesting. I want to. Oh, here we go. Here's the part about. Some philosophers believe there are 11 worlds like that, and some believe there's many as 26. The Valkyrie name was just a title, though they weren't a race like the Illyrians. They hailed from every type of fae, usually recruited from birth or early childhood. They had three stages of training, novice, blade, and finally Valkyrie. To become one was the highest honor in their land. Their territory is now gone, sub- subsumed into others. Interesting. Their territory is now gone. I'm sure that whenever... Because they were all pretty much killed off in the war. And then I'm sure that, you know, the Illyrians just being the sexist motherfuckers that they were, misogynistic assholes, were just like, well, this is ours now. But I want, I wanted the, this is what I wanted. I wanted the part where Cassian is telling them about the Valkyries. The technique, Cassian says, of course, because t- they do mind stilling and Cassian's like recognizes it. And Gwen's like, the technique and he says, of course I do. I fought beside the Valkyries in the war. And she, Nesta says, you knew the Valkyries personally. And they're like excited. And he, Cassian flashed a grin. I fought beside the Valkyries for five battles, but that stopped at the batter, battle of Minear Pass, 
When most of them died to save it, the Valkyries knew it was a suicide mission from the start. Asriel, ret- As- Jesus. Asriel returned to his charges, but Nesta had a feeling the Shadow Singer monitored every word, every gesture from his brother. Even Gwen stopped smiling. Why did they fight then? Everyone there knew it would be a slaughter, but I've never been able to find anything on the politics behind it. I don't know. I was a grunt for the Illyrian Legion. I wasn't privy to any of the leader's discussions, but I had friends who fell that day. The way he hesitated on friends made her wonder if they had been more than that. The Valkyries fought when even the bravest males would not. The Illyrians tried to forget that. I fought against males who were my superiors, arguing to help the Valkyries. They beat me senseless, chained me to a supply wagon, and left me there. When I came to, the battle was over. The Valkyries slain. So anyways, now I want to go to the section. And of course, this whole time more is in Valahan. Yeah. Not Valhalla, but Valahan. Honestly, whenever I first read Valahan, I read it in my mind as Valhalla, just because mm-hmm. I like I like the mythology stuff. And so that was how I basically became a dyslexic for that word is um so reese is kind of giving them some background on the velvet dinner and he's talking about cassian's first lover outside of the night court borders was from the valkyries ranks mm-hmm. a female named tanwin with a smile like a storm hmm. a smile like a storm what a weird fucking thing to what say a weird thing she'd ridden into that battle at the head of the valkyries and had never come out of the past cassian added after a moment nesta would have fit in well with them I always thought she was born on the wrong side of the wall, Elaine admitted. She made ballrooms into battlefields and plotted like any general. Like you two, she said, nodding to Casriel. Casriel. Oh, my God. That is their, that's their bro name. Casriel. Casriel. No, that's like whenever I sent you that thing where it's their nickname is Cass and it's short for casserole. Yeah. <laughs> casserole. Oh, God. Casserole. Anyways. Feyre at last took her hearty bite of food. Nesta is a wolf who has been ca- locked in a cage her whole life. Okay. See, God damn it. So this is you, another fucking yeah, Archeron yeah, yeah. wolf bullshit. You were, I, I just listened to our episodes the other day and you are talking about Feyre being a wolf. I mean, because, okay. So another, so just to like, wait, wait, wait. I know Cassian said she was a wolf who had never learned how to be a wolf. Thanks to the caged human. Thanks to that cage, humans called proprietary in society. And like any maltreated animal, she bit anyone who came near. Good thing he liked being bitten. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Anyways. Even still. Go ahead about the wolf, but then keep going. Just thinking about, okay. And we'll, and at the same time that this episode comes out, we're going to be dropping an episode that we're going to start doing a reread of House of Earth and Blood and House of Sky and Breath. And we're going to break it up into basically four sections of House of Earth and Blood over the next couple of weeks and then House of Sky and Breath. And then that will pretty much land us right at the beginning of um, or at the end. And then whenever we'll pick up that next episode, like honestly, that next week's episode will be the week that CC3 is out. So Flame and Shadow will be out. So it will get us to right at the end, right before it comes out. So I'm in the middle. So I'm doing the audio because I've reread it physically, but I'm doing the audio and I'm picking up on so many things that literally it talks about that all the veneer, they just all just came from other worlds that they've all just been dumped into Midgard centuries or whatever 
from other worlds. I immediately, I'm just like, okay, so all these motherfucking wolves, the Archeron sisters, they have got to be something with wolves because the way that, okay, so Farah kills a wolf in the very beginning. She has water wolves. She, like the Ourboros. Did Reese tell her she's a wolf? Yes, there's literally a line in there that you, she is a wolf. It's like one that's pulled a lot. And then now we have where Nesta is being compared to a wolf that has been caged. I, I mean, we haven't had, we don't know a whole lot about Elaine. Elaine hasn't really been given to us a whole lot besides the fact that she didn't know how to play in a motherfucking vegetable garden. But like, (laughs) just the way that those, specifically those two Archer and sisters have been paralleled to wolves in some way. And then you bring it up, you're like, is Feyre Luna? Luna's statue literally has wolves. There's something else that- Maybe Elaine's Luna and the wolves are Feyre. (laughs) Maybe. And I would just need to go back and look and see if there's been anything like paralleled with Elaine, which I doubt it because really we haven't, like I said, we haven't been given a whole lot of her because I think that there's so much more of her to come. Also, I always think it's weird that Elaine is the one that their dad like doted on or whatever. But she's the one that doesn't look like him. Right? Yeah, she doesn't have the... I was just trying to think. She doesn't have the same or eyes. Or is she the one that has the eyes like him? Because Feyre and Nesta you know have the same eyes. Feyre and Nesta have the same eyes, and that's been likened to their mother's eyes. Is so, yeah. So, yeah, because there's a... I think I literally read something where it was in something that... Feyre was talking about Nesta's eyes, their mother's eyes. It was like Feyre was like looking at Nesta and it was like Nesta's eyes were the were her eyes and it was like their mother's eyes. It was somehow where it looped it all back in, but they were all like, fuck Elaine. It, <laughs> it's not Elaine's eyeballs. Elaine has brown eyes. Feyre and Nesta have blue gray eyes. So who? Elaine's the milkman child. That's what I'm saying. Anyways, can we talk, finish up this thing about the Valkyries real quick? Sorry. The whole point. Oh, it says that Elaine has golden brown hair like her sisters, Farah and Nesta, but has rich brown eyes like her father. Okay. She does look like her father. Yes. That's why he dotes on her so much. Okay. Well. No, I liked where you were going with that, but now that we know. Elaine looks like their dad. Okay. Farah and Nesta look like their mom. Anyways, where I was going with this was the thing I'm reading on the Norse mythology.org where it says those chosen by Odin and his Valkyries live there as celebrated heroes until they're called upon by Odin's to fight by Odin's side in the doomed battle at Ragnarok. So this is the line I was looking for in silver flames. I'm looking at it on my desktop cloud Kindle library. I have no idea what page this is on. I really apologize, but here's what I was looking for. Cassian seemed to gain control of whatever emotion had taken hold of him, for he rubbed his jaw. Nesta's blood thrummed in response. Now this is, hang on. Let me back up just a little bit. Make sure you're not going to read a sex scene again like you did that one time. So here, after all the stuff what I just read you about the Valkyries and the Illyrians and Cassian saying they fought when the males would not. Yeah. And Gwen's like, why don't we use the Valkyrie techniques? If you admire them, he said, I didn't, I don't know them. Nesta smirked. If we are to be Valkyries born again, maybe we should combine Illyrian and Valkyrie techniques. So the important part of that, I feel like is if we are to be Valkyries born again, the next page, um, Cassian 
is like basically staring them down like he beheld something he hadn't seen there before. Wait a second. Hang on. You're stressing me out. I know. Tell me about it. Nesta smirked. If we are to be Valkyries born again, she said, maybe we should combine the Illyrian and Valkyrie techniques. She'd meant it in jest, but the words rumbled through the space as if she'd spoken some great truth, something that made fate sit up. Asriel turned to them fully this time. Eyes narrowed like those shadows had whispered something to him. A chill breathed down Nesta's spine. Cassian stared into their faces like he beheld something he hadn't seen there before. At last, he said thickly, today we learn Illyrian techniques. He nodded to Gwen. Tomorrow you bring me whatever information you have on the Valkyrie style. It's an enormous amount, Gwen said. Merrill is writing a book on it. I can get you a copy of the current manuscript since it has most of the information in one place. Cassian seemed to gain control. This is the part I was initially looking for, but that part above is pretty damn important. (gasps) This is the part I was looking for. Because... The Valkyries are waiting. Valkyries and Odin are waiting until they need to go pull people to fight for Ragnarok. Right. Cassian seemed to gain control of whatever emotion had taken hold of him, for he rubbed his jaw. Nesta's blood thrummed in response. Something new, he said, more to himself than to them. Something old becoming something new. He grinned again, and Nesta found her mouth twitching to answer with a grin of her own, especially as Cassian's eyes brightened. All right, ladies, first lesson about Valkyries. They don't whine about being sweaty. Something new, something old becoming something new. If there were Valkyries in the past, we're getting Valkyries again. And like he remembers. He remembers that. Amran is trying to get Reese to become the High King. And she's like, why would all of these sisters become super powerful? Why would these... Why would Nessa be able to imbue these weapons with her power? She's like, why is all this happening again? Right. And then Cassian's something old becoming something new again. And we keep talking about Crescent City and Ragnarok. And <laughs> it's going to be a failed mission, essentially. It's like what this whole, what Ragnarok was a failed mission. Yeah. But again, those chosen by Odin and his Valkyries live there as celebrated heroes until they're called upon to fight by Odin's side in the doomed battle at Ragnarok. So it's almost like they're building another army. They're building another army. Are we going to see that army be used in CC3? And are we going to see Hunt, who is basically like the Odin, fail this mission? I love that also the goddess Freya is said to welcome some of the dead into her hall as well. Yes. The field of the people or the field of warriors. But there's not many sources on that, it says. But it's literally, what's it called? An enneagram? Or a, what's it called? Anagram? Anagram. Enneagram is the personality thing. Yes. Anagram of Feyre. Yes. So we've got Nesta being like a Valkyrie. And then we've got Freya Feyre, a goddess that also welcomes the dead. But the afterlife world to which the dead are most commonly portrayed as going is hell. A world beneath the ground presided over by a goddess who is also named Hell. Oh my God. In addition to this conception of a general underworld, people from particular families and localities are sometimes depicted as remaining together in a particular place close to where they lived when they were alive. Underneath a specific mountain, for example. 
Get that shit out of here. And what do they, the dead do in hell or the local variations thereof? They typically eat, drink, carouse, fight, sleep, practice magic, and generally do all the things that living Viking age men and women did. No, they don't. So are the people in the Court of Nightmares dead? Do you think? Because, listen. We talked about ones, last week about how they never change. They never change. And we that we never have any interactions with any of them. We have interactions with different civilians on the street, shop owners. Like you have all these interactions, but whenever they go to the human shut city, up, if they're dead, that's why Moore's family used to run the night court. And now Reese's family does. They're dead. They're now they're underground. The court of nightmares is literally underground. Yes. That's why Reese's family is now running it. Cause Moore's family is literally dead. And I don't necessarily think that Kier and Moore's mother are dead. I think that they're just overseeing. They're basically, in a way, kind of like the Hades. They're overseeing the underworld. They're in hell. Maybe they're not in de- hell. Maybe not. I don't know. Okay. I, but This says dead, but maybe not. De- okay. I'm going to read it again. The afterlife world to which the dead are most commonly portrayed as is going to hell. A world beneath the ground. Oh, my God. That excerpt about Bryce being like, supposedly she wasn't hell, but it also, it really looks like it. Like it's a little thing about from flame and shadow. I'll find it out here. I'm going to pull up, I'm going to pull up our, you know uh, what I'm talking about? Yes. It, it's the uh, synopsis, right? Of flame and shadow. We're going to go to Lou. Is that what it is? Hang on. We're going to go to Lou. No, I think it's literally like an excerpt. Is it the official summary? It says something like for a place that wasn't hell, it sure looked like it. It's I almost feel like it says under a mountain, dark and something. Is it not at the end of Sky and Breath whenever she's lands there? No. It's literally from Flame and Shadow. Because everybody's like, did they take her to the prison? Did they take her to whatever? We don't know yet. Am I full okay, of shit? Okay, so here's the how ha- okay. Here's the f- new summary. Bryce Quinlan is stranded in a strange new world. She's going to need all her wits about her to get home again and return to everything she loves. But that's no easy feat when she has no idea who to trust. Meanwhile, Hunt Athelar is back in the Asteri's dungeons, stripped of his freedom and the happiness he'd fought so hard for. He's without a clue as to Bryce's fate. Hunt is desperate to help his mate, but until he can escape the Asteri's chains, his hands are quite literally tied. As Midgard is brought to the brink of collapse, the fate of the world rests on the hope of rebellion, but the fight for survival, freedom, and love may cost everything Bryce and Hunt have. No, that's not it. I feel like that it... Oh. I'm looking at a post from Yaz, the bookish, and it says the Daglin from Akatar are confirmed to be the siblings of the Asteri. Not like the same thing. This is why Regelius wants to avenge his siblings by attempting to invade Prithian first before any other worlds and reminding them who the Fae masters were. Really? Huh. There was an accidental ho-fast leak by a Bulgarian publisher includes a small tidbit <gasps> that hints at Bryce visiting the prison. That's what I want. Where is it? Is it not on a court of mass? I was just looking through her stories. I thought Lou had stuff up. I'm so sorry. I love that like... <laughs> The fandom is so stretched far and wide. Okay, I found it. A court of mass. She's got it shared. 
first House of Flame and Shadow teaser, Bryce Quinlan was in a room so deep beneath the bowels of the mountain that daylight must have been a myth for the creatures that inhabited here. For a place that obviously wasn't hell, its surroundings looked a lot like one. Now I'm going to read this part again. But the afterlife world to which the dead are most commonly portrayed is going to hell, a world beneath the ground presided over by a goddess who is also named hell. In addition to this conception of a general underworld, people from particular families and localities are sometimes depicted as remaining together in a particular place close to where they lived while they were alive underneath a specific mountain, for example. So this is almost like people that were from the night court that have died and passed on could be in the court of nightmares. Right. And Moore's family oversees. And then it says, and then what do they do in hell or the local variations thereof? They typically eat, drink, carouse, fight, sleep, practice magic, and generally do all the things that living Viking age men and women did. Because we don't have, which it's so funny that you're bringing that up because it's a thought that I've had, but it's not one that I've obviously been dwelling on what is the difference in the court of nightmares they're literally like this is the court of nightmares and this is the court of dreams what the fuck is the difference mm-hmm. why are they both courts yeah why are they both courts why is one why is there a definitive difference in one or the other also cures army when they fight why is that a different army so this is like talking about the separation between valhalla and hell Huh? And it's there's a lot of on here, but um which means no other source makes this distinction. Um Nori, whoever the hell this is, Snorri Sturluson, a Christian historian writing in the thirteenth century, many generations after the pre Christian Norse religion had ceased to be a living tradition, he is known for attempting to impose a systemization on the source material that isn't present in his sources. And this seems to be another instance of that tendency. He blatantly contradicts his distinction between Valhalla and hell. In one substantial account of hell, he provides the tale of the death of Baldur, Odin's son, who was killed violently and is nevertheless born to hell. No other sources make this distinction, which means that this snug way of differentiating between the two end up in hell versus Valhalla is surely an invention of his. So anyways, they're trying to set up like a neat set of criteria for how the dead end up and where they do. It's almost impossible to cleanly differentiate these places themselves from one another. For example, Valhalla is often depicted as a realm where distinguished warriors engage in a continuous battle. And just such a place is described in important early sources as being located beneath the ground and intriguingly without the name Valhalla anywhere in the account. Furthermore, the very name Valhall, the Hall of the Fallen, clearly seems related to the name Valhaller, the Rock of the Fallen. Shut up. We don't know what's under Ramiel. No. Eris makes a comment about that. Yeah. And Cassian's, yeah, we don't know what that is. And Eris is, y'all are too stupid to go find out. Right. Like, why the fuck haven't you guys went and looked? And also, Eris is, like, real interested in the Court of Nightmares. Yes. Okay. Okay. Also, he's also real interested in Asriel, but Valhaller, the name of the fall, the rock of the fallen, a title given to certain rocks and hills where the dead were thought to dwell in southern Sweden, one of the greatest historical centers of the worship of Odin. So, are we to conclude that Valhalla is simply one particular part of hell rather than an independent realm? Not so fast. It's elsewhere described as being part of Asgard, the celestial realm 
of the gods. Some sources, so to speak, of the dead being reborn in one of their descendants, although never in someone outside of their family line. Here as well, the sources are unclear as to how exactly this would happen, but oftentimes the dead person is reincarnated in someone who is named after him or her. It's sometimes impossible to distinguish between deceased human ancestors and elves in Old Norse literature to the point that it wouldn't be amiss to speak of a part of the dead human becoming an elf in some cases. One example of this comes from the saga of Olaf the Holy, one of the first Christian kings in Norway. Olaf and a servant ride past the burial mound of the king's ancestor and namesake who is now called by the name Olaf Gersendalf, literally Olaf the elf of Gerstad, a title that clearly implies the current elfin state of the king's forefather. So it's basically, I guess, in this Norse, when they die, they become, they have a human form and an elf form. And that's um, rad. The passage also insinuates that King Olaf is the reincarnation of the deceased Olaf, showing that the dead could be thought to have multiple fates simultaneously. <laughs> There's not necessarily a contradiction on this particular point, since such a scenario would be logically possible in the Norse view of the self having multiple spiritual parts. This is highlighted. That means this is a link. That even mean? Hang on. Let's find out. <gasps> Let's find multiple out. spiritual parts is literally highlighted and it is a link. What the fuck? The self and its parts. It says today we think of ourselves as having two or three components, a mind, a body, and perhaps a soul. In the Norse worldview, however, the self is a more complicated entity. You said more, and I was like, the Morgan? No, you're <laughs> no, just sorry. literally reading the sentence. Yeah. Like- While the Norse certainly had a concept of the self, there is no bland oneness in their perspective. That self is comprised of numerous different parts that are all semi-autonomous and can detach themselves from one another under certain circumstances. Then <laughs> we keep looking up from our computers and making eye contact. <laughs> kind of with our mouths open none of the parts quite correspond to the concept of a soul as in the traditional christian sense an absolutely unique and non-transferable essence of a person the old norse word for soul it's s-a-l was invented only after the norse converted to christianity which highlights the prior lack of such a concept i guess they literally invented a word to say that they didn't do that oh um i mean that's cool Various parts of the self were, however, thought to live on after death or be reincarnated. See below. Like to hell? Death and the afterlife. The Norse worldview never placed much value on a uniform set of doctrines. Contains no comprehensive systemic account. They mention parts in some old Norse literature as the hammer, the shape, the form, the appearance, the hunger, the thought, and the... Filgja, the follower, uh-huh. and the Haminga, luck. So the hammer is like your shape or your skin. It's your form. Okay. Basically. In fact, H-A-M-R, that's what it is, hammer. It says it's pronounced like the English word hammer. Okay. In fact, hammer is the most crucial word in the Old Norse lexicon of shape-shifting. The Old Norse phrase that denotes the process of shape-shifting is skipta homum, which means changing hammer, and the quality of being able to perform this feat is called ham rammer, the strong hammer. 
So there's shape-shifting in Old Norse mythology as well. I was unaware of this. Did you know about this? No. I like how... This is so weird because we have said before, like, it's... Each of these, like, protagonists, Aelin, Feyre, Bryce, Elena, Helena, Thea, like, it's like all of these people are living the same... It's like a different experience every time, but it's almost like they're the same thing going through the same similar things every time. Reduce, reuse, recycle, reincarnate. And now I'm going to click on the tab that I just took from this same NorseMythology.org about death and the, oh, it's the same one I just did about Valhalla. That's how I got there in the first place. I want to know a little bit more about hell though. Do you want to know a little bit more about hell? I would love to. Tell me more about hell. Okay. Old Norse hell, H-E-L, literally means hidden. Which is interesting that Valaris was hidden for. Occasionally, it's also referred to as Helheim or the realm of hell. Although this is much more common in the secondary literature. Like physical graves, hell was thought to be located underground. Some sources also place it in the north, the direction which is cold and dark like the grave. I don't know, the north of Prithian that's dark and the court of night court. A dog is sometimes said to guard its entrance, much like Serbius in Greek mythology, which is interesting that all of the hounds are in hell, and that is also Reese's beast form. So is Reese guarding the court of nightmares? Reese, his little beastie form, guards hell? Another interesting thing, just you talking about the hounds... The Autumn Court has hounds uh-huh. that are like very prized and are very specific. And literally nobody outside of the Autumn Court can possess them. Right. So it's, and then they have those, they have this secret passage that Lucian takes Feyre to that is the secret underground cave that goes from one court to the other. And he knows those ways in and out. Through time, were they always hounds for the night court? Or was that something that throughout the High Lords, they were... Because we get that, but then we don't get anything else on it. It's just like they're so protected and they're specific, but then we get nothing else. Maybe all Prithians just hell. All of it. The Old Norse sources describe in uncharacteristic detail the course that one has to travel in order to reach hell. It even has a name that comes up repeatedly in Old Norse literature, Helvecker, the road slash way to hell. Throughout the Old Norse sources, we find instances of such journeys to hell undertaken by gods or humans in order to recover a dead spirit or obtain knowledge from the dead. That's exactly what Selena does. Yeah. She goes underground to speak with Elena. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at the math of Prithian because I was like I was like okay so they because they went from the autumn court up to the winter court from and they had all the hounds went up through the winter court have we ever talked about how the weaver's cottage is not very far from under the mountain the weaver's cottage is not in the night court. She is, that cottage is in the space that is not governed by anyone. Tracks. How have we never noticed that? 
I like how I was like, this episode's going to be quick. We're going to psych. Psych. Good thing the next one, I won't get off on too many tangents. Most of the stuff I'll ask in the next thing will be very unanswered questions that I just <laughs> have probably voice noted you. Okay, we ought to wrap this episode up because we got to go to our next episode. Yeah, hang on one second. Let me text my mom before I lose my train of thought. No, go ahead. I was just telling you. We'll wrap up about the tree of life and we got to find a good bring him homer. Uh-oh. Oh, basically, I guess all of this to say that I feel like clearly Norse mythology plays a really big part in this. Uh-huh. But I am finding we I feel like most of the stuff that we've pulled into Ragnarok so far has been Crescent City. So I'm really excited to be making a connection with Akatar and the Ragnarok thing as well. We've had a little bit of crossover, but it was really more of just like them rebuilding the Valkyries, not yeah. necessarily what the Valkyries stood for, what they were before. I don't think I realized that they were like waiting to battle again. No, I, know. I think I always if just we thought brought it was it like up, we d- I do not remember that. I don't either because I always thought it was just a place where fallen heroes this is your reward, basically, yeah. kind of thing. Thanks for doing that. Apparently, the good that's work. not the case. No. If we did talk about this and we're too stupid to remember, don't tell us. I'll if you do, nightmares. kindly. It's a grave. Yeah. Cure is the equivalent of like a Hades, or he's just watching over all the dead. And now we know why the transfer of power. But then I wonder how more is alive. That's why I don't think, I don't think Kira's dead. I don't think her mom's dead. But I'm also wondering, because she is the Morrigan, which is also a mythology thing, how that plays into it. Plays into it, because she is obviously someone else that is an other, with her whole, like, truth and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. which also, she's the biggest liar on the fucking planet, and she's a schemer, so, like, how you (laughs) over here be like, ah, the truth, no, fuck off. Use your truth for good what are you like wonder woman the lasso of truth wonder woman <laughs> does she have a lasso not yet not yet there's still time i don't think we still have about 18 more books this does say the goddess hell oversees hell wow not just so i wonder if the morgan can be linked to the goddess hell in some capacity which would track why they're all dead yeah Anyways, everyone's dead. That, <laughs> that we all basically what we're also trying to say is we all just live in hell all the time. One L or two. It doesn't matter. Capital or lowercase. We're all just living in hell. That's the podcast title. Bryce is in hell and so are we. Yep. There you go. There we go. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> tim, 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 tim. <laughs> Anyways, I'm really happy that we wrapped up this two-parter in just a few minutes. Like, that's what I thought we were going to do. Totally. Yeah, I mean, just a couple. We didn't... And really, I'm actually very proud of us. We didn't sidebar too far out in left field. I wasn't on, like, bringing anything new to the table, and I feel like we kind of figured a few things out. We that, really did. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm very excited about this. I mean, this was the second part of that. But I think that there's just so much left... That, like I said, CC3 is obviously not going to wrap up. I don't think it's going to wrap up shit, to be quite honest. I think we are going to close out on Bryce and Hunt's overall love story, but I don't think we're going to see a lot of the answers that we think we're going to see. 
I feel like that is in the same way that Akawar closed up Feyre and Reese's chapter. Yes. It did not close up the right. story. It just closed up their POV. The, their, essentially. Yeah. Not even necessarily their character development, just their POV. Yeah. And I think that's what we're going to see. And so again, don't be assholes because there's going to be 38 more books. I don't know. Now I'm just saying numbers, but was it seven? Oh, seven. Are you fuck off with all of these freaking holy ass numbers? Damn we're it. We're still going to be doing this podcast in like 35 years. So. Yes, because that's how many. First off, if we have to wait two years between each book. My God, we're going to be 85. I saw something that I somebody being like, she sure pumps these books out fast. I thought, no. Well, first off. I am Sarah's warrior online. Let me just, no, <laughs> no, I know. I walk away a lot, but no. I see a lot of shit that really pisses you wa- me off. You walked away this week and I'm so, so proud of you. <laughs> growth. That is growth. Even though it was a tough, I we had to yank that weed out of the ground, but she does not crank these out. Now, don't get me wrong. When she sits down, she writes and she can write the whole thing in the five weeks. Crank it out. But then she also scrapped the entire novel and rewrote it because she didn't like it. So I'm sorry, if you're that much of a literary genius, you can write a thousand pages. Okay, not quite a thousand pages. Pretty fucking close with all these bonus chapters and shit. Like, I mean, this is, we could just have a whole book on just bonus chapters. That's longer than some of these other authors have books on just their whole stories. She does not crank them out because there's no way that you can do this in depth of research and quote unquote, crank it out. No way. She's been sitting on this shit for years. So fuck off everybody. And on that note, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming in this week. Cause I'm going to leave out of this bad boy hot. on fire. Cause we got our following after this episode. We got to do our breakdown of house of earth and blood. Fuck you, San Diego. But go fuck yourself, San Diego. Oh, damn, is that what it is? <laughs> damn. Stay classy, San Diego. Thanks for listening. Follow the show on Instagram and the Tiki Talk at Accord of Theories. You can follow our personal pages. Never gonna stop. I hate it so. You much. hate it? The Tiki Talk? It's just, yeah. The Tiki Talk? Yeah. The Tiki Talk? I hate it. Okay. Would you like me for me to start over? I want you to hurry up oh. and finish. Oh, wow. Oh, me too. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Send your unhinged theories or whatever you found throughout this entire podcast to accordatheories at Gmail. You can slide into our DMs, become a patron by paying your spring tithe on Patreon for exclusive content and some fun goodies. And once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Psych, where's two episodes today? Oh, JK, we'll see you in the next episode. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye.